Whoa! Hello, John. What's going on on this normal day? Hello, hello, today? hello. Uh, today is a completely normal day. Nothing has happened. Uh, we're uh, September eighth, two thousand twenty-two. <laughs> um, a normal September eighth, two thousand twenty-two. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're we're back after our week off. I took a vacation. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Um, yeah, I went to the beach with my family. Uh, it was a cool. it was a fun little time. Uh, we hadn't gone on vacation in a very long time, so it was a nice change of pace after being stuck inside for a very long time. Uh, that does sound nice. Yeah, the last I think the last time me and my family went on vacation was like summer of 2019, mm-hmm. which I mean makes sense considering world events. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we 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 went to the beach. It was nice. We didn't really do much because you know my grandparents are old people. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So yeah, we, we we had a nice little four night stay at, at at Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, the the putt putt capital of the world. Let's fucking go. Did you play any putt putt? I didn't. Ah, <laughs> uh, I feel like uh, mini golf is one of those things that just really lost all of its luster as I got older. Yeah. I when I was a kid, I was really all about it. Uh, there's um, I'm. I grew up, uh, like, just outside of Harrisburg, which is the capital of Pennsylvania, uh, Pennsylvania facts, for anybody who didn't know that. Uh, and I always had this memory of, like, uh, there was an, there is, it's not like it sunk, there's an island in between the city, it's like the coast of the river the city sits on, and the opposite side, which is where, uh, I lived on. Um, there was this island in the middle of it, uh, that was, like, had like a sports stadium um and like various like tourist attractions on it and i always remember uh whenever our grandparents would visit i would come and i would we'd go and uh do the mini golf and i was always excited for it and as i got older it just kind of was like it got boring and i feel like life has just kind of sucked since then <laughs> uh my my issues with mini golf uh is that the older i got the 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 taller I got, and considering I've always been a the an unnaturally tall person, uh, by John the, is quite tall. Yeah, yeah, I I am quite tall. By the time I was maximum height, I had completely outgrown the 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 tall person uh mini golf clubs. So it was always very uncomfortable and bad on my back whenever I would play mini golf. So I just I just kind of gave up on it. That is a shame. That is really a shame. The world is not built for people like me. Hmm. I'm too big. F in the chat. <laughs> uh, other stuff that's happened. Uh, the uh, queen died today. That's uh, what we were talking about. I was going to save that till last. But yeah, the queen died. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry. I I woke up 30 minutes after the queen died. Damn. <laughs> And the way I found out was the classic half of the image dead person, other half of the image XXX Tentacion. <laughs> classic way to find out that someone's dead. The <laughs> See, I was up um I was up at like a uh, uh, morning time cuz I had work today. Yeah. And so uh, I can attest the experience of, like, being online at, like, uh, you know, like, the 9 to 5 hours, like, when everyone wakes up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when the queen went to the hospital in the morning, like we were just all kind of sitting around, like posting about it. Like, yeah, it's going to be really funny. Um, but you never really expect them. You never really expect it to happen. Right. Like this is when like Trump got COVID is the comparison I saw. Like we all had fun, but nothing happened. And then the queen just died like two hours later and we're like, cool. Okay. Uh, let's get posting boys. Yeah. It it was, it was a very fun time online and it probably still is. It it probably will will remain a fun time online for like the next couple days. Oh, it, it's been nothing but bangers in the timeline today, for sure. Yeah. Uh, it, it it also, however, has been very interesting to see all the the, the, the weird British people who, who act like the Queen is their grandma just log mm-hmm. on and, like, be really mad at how everybody's posting about it. I think in fairness, uh, in fairness to the Brits, I know that uh, not something that you say very often, but I'll say it this once. Uh, my my friends from the UK who are like my age, like seem to be pretty much in the same boat as everyone else. I'm hearing that the the younger generation over there doesn't really like the monarchy too much either. Yeah, so I think it might just be like a a cranky old person thing. Uh, a, a respect respect your elders type beat. I I saw one post that like kind of scared me <laughs> with the way. The, the way somebody put it, it was it was this one, which which reads for the audience, uh, Americans are welcome to shitpost, but they should be warned of intense depths of feelings here. It's hard to explain, but millions feel the queen is their spiritual grandmother. It's not like a dying president, but the passing of the chief saint of a still felt British religion. I want to repeat what I quote tweeted this with earlier, which is L country. Like... <laughs> What are y'all doing over there? Come on. Yeah, when I saw this, I was I was like, the British really are completely unsalvageable. If if this is how things are, there's no point in trying anymore. Like, just <laughs> just invert the island into a crater or something. Like, just... like do you <laughs> like this is just the like exact analog of like the people who Photoshop God on or Trump on like pictures of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this is exa- like you're just like being you're just trying you're using complete sentences when you do it <laughs> like what is this <laughs> come on guys get over it it we should be fucking past this whole monarchy shit it sucks it's yeah bad. yeah <laughs> but let's let's just cut it out <laughs> agree uh more fun more fun event that happened this week uh the tumblr sexy man tournament i want to talk about that Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Uh, Alex, edit this in front of the queen bit and we can pretend that we did this first. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, so I didn't follow that too closely. All I know is the final round and the outcome of it. Do you want to expand on that a little bit more? Yeah. Uh, first of all, I felt like an old person the entire time. Uh, just looking at the brackets and like everyone who was involved, I was like, who, who are most of these people and why are they here? Um, because to me... A Tumblr sexy man is kind of like a past tense thing. Like when like when I spoke about Spamton like being a Tumblr sexy man, I kind of meant that uh, like if he were a character who came out a couple years ago, he would be a Tumblr sexy man. Uh yeah. It's it it doesn't feel like a thing that characters should continually be added to considering what's happened to Tumblr. Uh and it, this 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 Reagan guy 
I don't know anything about him. What was he doing like there? Ronald? No, from uh, Mob Psycho no, 100. I know. <laughs> I know, I'm fucking okay. around. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know anything about Mob... Mob Psycho. Yeah. I've not seen Mob Psycho, but I gather him to be very popular. Uh... The, the 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 moments in the brackets where I was like the most confused. Uh Mega Man beating out the Onesler. That Mega Man? Uh Mega Mind. Oh, I thought Mega Man that'd be really weird. Uh that is um wow, we are really not that, in 2011 anymore. That frightens God. me. That that made me feel like that added like an extra like thirty years to. to <laughs> That's <laughs> like I gotta get off the computer and like get find something else to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, an- another moment that that scared me was Spamton beating out William Afton from Five Nights at Freddy's. That one uh, felt, I don't know, something cosmic felt wrong about that. <laughs> I think this might just be your personal investment in uh, William Afton from Five Nights at Freddy's. I'm also invested in Spamton. Thank you very much. I, <laughs> I mean, it, it makes sense to me, because, like, a Deltarune is, like, a pretty recent popular thing, and Five Nights at Freddy's, I think, has kind of, uh, fallen out of, like, fallen out of favor with probably most people, uh, I, w- I would get, I would assume that most people who are still following Five Nights at Freddy's who are not, like, 12 are probably doing it, like, in a similar, like, in a kind of an ironic way. Or, I'm, like, a nostalgic way. I'm, I'm nodding. Okay. Um, but I think the part that like really got to me and, and and felt kind of personal and like hurt a little is this Pokemon guy. Uh, I don't know his name. I know he's from Black. I'll just send you the bracket. I know he's from Black and White, but he beat out Komeda. Why is it him? He beat out Komeda, and I don't know why. This I, game has a Komeda in it. I. This game has a white-haired anime boy in it. Why is it the fucking subway dude who looks like an android? Yeah, I I thought if like we were gonna include a Pokemon character as like a Tumblr sexy man, it would be N. Like, it's gotta be N. And if it's not N, then it's the fucking uh, flip flops professor from X and Y that also destroyed Tumblr briefly. Yeah, I I I don't know what if someone who's a listener could like explain this to me. Why is the funny Pokemon man beating out Komeda? I, I just can't understand it. I And how is he losing to Jack how is he how is Jack Skellington losing to him? <laughs> how is Wheatley beating Doc Ock? I... Okay, Spider-Man 2 bias being the greatest movie of all time, but that just does not sit right with me. There's just so much going on in this. <laughs> it... I have so much better taste in men than anyone involved in this voting <laughs> bracket as well. As I'm, I'm, I'm glad Sans won though. I, I, it felt right. And then Toby logged on with, with <laughs> Mob Psycho 100 fan fiction and, like, replied to it with it. I, I, that paragraph is the closest I've ever come to reading or watching Mob Psycho. Me too. <laughs> not out of, not out of spite, just out of, I have not gotten around to it. <laughs> Same. There's a lot, to, there's, there's a lot going on here. I don't even recognize a lot of these characters. Okay, you know what? I am really glad that, um... It's like kind of just like a bracket robbery thing. Like, oh, I got, I got placed, I, I got matched up against like Leffen in pools or whatever. But like, Junkrat getting knocked out by Sans immediately feels right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I am, I am really concerned for the well-being of anybody still invested enough in Overwatch to like be horny for Junkrat. 
<laughs> You're so right. Uh, it, it's just crazy to me, like, how much reach this tournament had. Because the final vote for Sands v. Reagan was 244,000 votes. Whereas, like, the past ones were, like, less than, like, 50. And, like, most of them were, like, smaller and, and around 5,000. It fucking blew up, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Great moment online, though. It was it, it, it was very exciting when Sans won. I'll, I'll, this is, yeah. This is really something, I gotta say. <laughs> okay. Um... I was gonna say, uh, speaking of Tumblr sexy men, but, like, that... I don't like that. Um, <laughs> so I'm just gonna say, do you want to talk about, uh, Equius? Uh, we could talk about Equius. And Terezi after that. Homestuck. Homestuck. I'm talking Homestuck. We're doing Pester Quest, again! <laughs> yes, Volumes, we are. what was it? Seven. Uh, 7.1 and 7, or just 7, 1 and 7, 2. I wrote them down as 7.1 and 7.2. Uh... So yeah, um, I guess shall we? Equius. Yes. Okay. Uh, let us be. Let, let, I I will I'll provide the recap. Okay. So, um, after our uh, last encounter, uh, was just quite something, if we'll recall. Um, we uh, MSP reader uh is one around testing their new abilities, uh, focusing on various concepts and zapping around to various canon locations, uh, like the concept of, like, a garden, which takes us to the garden that we met, um... Boulder. Boulder, in, thank you, uh, in Friendsim, or the, uh, cave that we hung out with, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Man, um, with Seto Kaiba in, uh, in Friendsim, uh, or the, uh, the mall that we burned down, um, or that got burned down at one point, uh, etc. Um, and we're jumping around to all these places that we have no, uh, recollection of. And we try, uh, home, and we find ourselves in the little outpost that we, uh, took residence in in front of him as well. Uh, but there's, it's kind of, this is like, I wasn't expecting this to, like, make me, like, sad. Yeah, it, um, it starts hitting. Yeah, I was like, I all I do is rip on MSP Reader. Like, oh, this is a little sad. This it 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 does not feel good that like we're here again and we have no memory of um of any like the emotional connection we might have to this place. Because like, uh, when I think of the the home from Friendsim, I think of like the like talking with Tizius there and stuff. Like that's one of the better moments of Friendsim. So yeah. it's like yeah, kind of sad. Um, so we decide to, so uh. We decide to try another name uh, we heard from Gamzy uh, as we get bored zapping around to places that we have no knowledge of. Um, so we try going to Equius, and we do. Uh, our zap brings us a little bit too close for comfort, uh, landing us between a robot and Equius's quickly approaching fist. Um, we zap ourselves right back out of there and into the hallway outside his room. Uh, to avoid getting our face splattered across uh, his entire place of living, um, and uh, as we gather, as we uh, get our bearings in the hallway, uh, a startled Equius demands we show ourselves from his room. Uh, at this point, uh, we have the decision to either chicken out or be brave. Um, which are 
pretty much exactly what they sound like. Uh, if we choose to chicken out, then we have an embarrassing moment where Arthur surprises us and we teleport away as uh, Equus and Arthur stand over us, wondering what the hell is going on. Um, but if we decide to be brave, then uh, Equus greets us uh, surprisingly politely at his door uh, when we enter. So... Equius, uh, being Equius, uh, quickly follows up his greeting by inquiring as to our cast standing so that he can, uh, understand how, so he can know how he should act relative to us, uh, whether he should be inviting us, inviting us in, or we should be bossing him around and demanding to be let in, etc. Um, we explain that we are a friend of Gamzee's, uh, or actually Carcat, uh, as we see Equius being to react negatively to the mention of Gamzee. Um, and we reassure him that we are trustworthy despite our strange appearance. Uh, Arthur interrupts our conversation to come in and give us, uh, milk and towels, um, at which, uh, Equius takes note of us drinking the milk and says, well, can't be all bad. You do, uh, you, you love, if you love your, you love your milk, uh, you must be of noble blood. Um, but can you prove to me, uh... Can you prove to me that you're truly a noble blood? Uh, what do you think of my uh, hyper muscle furry horse porn? Um, eager to eager not to disappoint, uh, we assure Equius that we understand the merits of his uh, furry hyper muscle horse porn. Um, we we hurriedly agree on this. Uh. Surveying his space, uh, we take note of the volume of art that uh, that paints it, but also uh, the weird disconnect between uh, fancy blue blood old money decor and Equius's uh, gamer shit uh, type uh, gaming chair with speakers in it uh, type of decoration, um, which... Uh, I think is kind of a. I, I think that the, 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 it's kind of interesting there because, like, I feel like it both calls into attention like Equius's character in a clever way. Yeah. Um. Uh. And it reminds us that we are in a, a a planet run by teenagers. Uh. Let's see. So yeah, we take we we notice the weird decorations. Uh. All of his. Uh. All the the hoof beast art. And all of the scattered robot, scattered bloodied robot parts that are just heaping everywhere in his room. Uh, let's see. Equius asks us to prove our mutual friendship. Uh, so using his computer, we message Carcat, um, who is first awestruck at the idea of MS3 Reader and Equius hanging out. Um, but he does go on to vouch for us, and he makes a comment that we should get along because we're both uh, freaks. At this, uh, Equius is, like, visibly shaken, um, and goes to minimize the, uh, chat window, like, immediately, um, and, uh, turns to us and tries to, he, he kind of moves the conversation along, and is like, okay, now, you seem more, uh, suited to this, since you're, you understand whatever social dynamic you're in, uh, why don't you initiate the process of friendship? So, uh... He gives, Equus gives us the reins for a little bit. So we can either tactically inquire as to why Carcat called him a freak, um, or uh, we can just be normal. So if we 
choose to just be an asshole. Um, and we're like, so we're both freaks, huh? Uh, this instantly promotes, uh, provokes a negative reaction from Equius. Uh, he assures us that Karkat's remark there was just a social maneuver to exclude himself from that category, which he knows uh, Karkat belongs to as well. Um, we deflect uh, from the situate from the subject matter by being like, "No, I was talking about your broken horn." Um, at which Equius is uneasy uh, about explaining to us how that happened. Uh, so MSP reader has an MSP MSPA reader moment, and uh, as a plot device, we decide to be an asshole and go back in time and see why Equius's horn is broken. Uh, we use our powers, and we find ourselves split across multiple planes of truth, uh, it describes them. And we witness, uh, three different potential backstories for, uh, how and when in his life Equius might have, uh, broken his horn. Um, we zap back to, uh, present day, uh, and Equius is shortly realizes that he has now has a memory of us at the moment that he lost his horn. Uh, not specified which of the ones we saw, but he now mem remembers us from that instance and no longer trusts us and kicks us out. Uh, so, a, a warning, I guess another another bad uh, punishment for abusing our time travel powers, uh, but also a little bit of uh, fun meta stuff going on there. Yeah. Um, if we decide to not be an asshole to Equius and just don't comment on his appearance or his freak status. Um, we uh, demonstrate to him, we end up doing what we have been doing to break the ice with people, which is we show him our uh, cannon powers. We zap around his room a little bit and we're like, hey, you want to try it out? Uh, as Equius begins to kind of understand like what our powers on the and the implications of them, he starts to uh, visibly shake. Um, he's like trembling. Uh, before he calms himself and asks if we can take if if uh, we can take him to Nepeta. Um, we don't know who Nepeta is. Uh, all he gives us is a name, and he gives us a description as well. Uh, she's short, um, unkempt, uh, olive blood. So we try to zap ourselves with Equius to Nepeta, and we fail. Our powers cannot do it. We try again, and we see that mysterious A-posing figure in the hallway, uh, and we get a warning that we should probably stop. And uh, Equius is not happy about this. Uh, he flies into a fit of rage and takes it out on a robot in front of us um, before sheepishly, uh, ashamedly uh, coming back um, and kind of sitting with us in silence for a little bit. Uh before he uh, starts to kind of explain himself. Um, so Equius eventually apologizes, and he says uh, he will... Th there's clearly a narrative authority in operation here, and he will respect it, which is very a very funny unprompted thing for him to say unprompted, um, but is in character for him, sure. Um, and he asks us uh, how we do it being the sole member of our species. Um, how do we define ourselves and live our lives uh, without a society to anchor us ourselves to, um, to tell us whether we're living our life right, uh, he puts it. 
uh, or if we belong anywhere, where we belong, or if we belong at all. Um, it takes us a second, uh, but we respond, um, and as we do, we kind of realize ourselves uh, that we do still rely on uh, our relationships with our friends to define ourselves as a person, um, but we do it from on our own terms and not relying on a kind of fucked up social system uh, like the one on Alternia to do it. Um, Equius uh, absorbs this for a second and then relates his own kind of experience of how he is, how indigo bloods are naturally uh, strong, but he is kind of a freak exception. He's a freak case. He's, he's abnormally strong. Um, and how he is kind of attempted to define himself by focusing on that and he's made that into uh like th this that's like his anchor point yeah um he does acknowledge that uh maybe he's forming some bad habits uh like the outburst he had earlier in front of you um but that this is better than this is a better hobby than taking out on other people um which is and that's like that's kind of where we leave Equius's arc there. Um, we, uh, we make a joke like, hey, I guess uh, it's probably easier to hurt people when they don't teleport in front of your fist. Um, and he says, well, next time you, uh, you can use the door and Arthur will let, will let you in. And we, we leave off on the warm, fuzzy promise of there being a next time that we get to be friends with Equius. Yeah. This is a weird one. This is uh, a what weird do you one. <laughs> What do you think of what do you think of this one? I recall a while I recall when we were doing hive swap or not or not hive swap um way back uh, when we were doing uh oh my god the name of it escapes me hive, act five act one hive bent exactly when we were doing hive bent um I remember that you you said that uh there's a lot of work done down the line to kind of redeem Equius or like make him more likable and I think we saw a bunch of that in already but i th i think that you mentioned uh pastor quest specifically so i'm i'm curious as to what your what your thoughts on this one are uh i think this was really interesting because this is to me this is very much a dialed back equius yes like when if if this were my first exposure to equius my opinions on him would be vastly different than yes the other way around. Uh, because this Equius does not come off as like a weird freak who has a fetish for like social dynamics. Yeah. This comes off as like a kid who doesn't know how to define himself. So he relies on the society he lives in to like do that defining for him. Uh-huh. Uh, -huh. uh and it's interesting because it like to me the like him like wanting to know like how to treat MSPA reader doesn't come off as like weird fetish thing. It comes off as him just wanting to do what's right in the eyes of the society he lives in. Yeah, there the there's like zero of equius being horny yeah in 
in this chap in this uh, uh route, which is like probably for the better. Yeah, like the sweating, like the sweating, which in Homestuck very much comes off as like being weirdly horny. Comes He's off flustered. Yeah, it comes off as him like just being anxious. Like it. I, he he's very normal in this. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I had very similar thoughts, although I was a bit more like, I I was probably a bit meaner about it than yeah. than uh, the way that you put it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, this is this is definitely not quite the same character that we are familiar with. Um. I think that it is an interesting... I think that this Equius is, like, a really interesting character. Um, I... The the whole notion of him, like, uh, hyper-fixating on social norms, I think becomes really interesting when you add in the, like, the... the bit about uh, how he's sensitive about being, like, Carcat calling him a freak. Yeah. Um... Because, like, that, that, that's, like... He's insecure and has is abnormal, like is on some level rejected by those social norms that he's super obsessed with, and it, it kind of reminds me in a way of like modern like teenagers who get sucked into like the same kind of weird uh, ideological type of shit yeah. as like Equus is into. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, I feel like you could ex- like if you're talking about an arc of like, uh young person young man gets like is kind of a social outcast and ends up uh, like falling into some really nasty ideology like that supports a rigid social hierarchy that they themselves would probably not be favored by because they're abnormal Mm -hmm. like you can like that's like there's something there uh and i think that's an interesting angle on equius now would equius being a groiper make me like him more absolutely not um (laughs) But I think that you can apply this in some extent to, like, Homestuck Equius still and have it be interesting. But you really need to sand it down a lot to make it palatable from a first-person perspective, I think. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I guess this could either be, uh, like, you know, the only way that you can do Equius... Um, or it could just be like a we're gonna maybe rework how Equis is a little bit, and honestly, I'm completely fine with either because like I I feel like Equius in Homestuck is one of those characters that like doesn't really work that well anymore. Like you, yeah. Like I I do not know how you would do like OG Equius uh in a in a story that wanted to take itself as seriously as like. Homestuck 2,000 pages after when it introduced Equis. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I do... I do find this, this character a lot more interesting, but it, there is still that disconnect where it's like... Uh, the, the main defining thing that Equis, like, does that we know him for is that he lets Gamzee murder Nepeta because he can't get through the mental barrier of his own subjugation fetish. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of work to do here to rehabilitate Equius. Oh, oh, absolutely. Uh, 
another thing about this route that I enjoy um, is the bad end where you try to see how his horn was broken. Uh, yeah. This would have been the first route that was released after uh, Homestuck 2 started. Um, yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. It was it was released that Friday after last volume was dropped on that Wednesday. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, the notion of canon had already been, like, talked about a lot. But, like, once Homestuck 2 started post, like, a lot of people just started getting, like, really, like, weird about the concept of canon. Uh, uh-huh. And I, I, I like the way that it's showcased here with, with how his horn is broken. Uh, because when, when a lot of people talk about when something's n- non-canon, uh, th- there's this idea that it just completely does not exist at all. Uh-huh. And I like this portrayal of a concept that is technically non-canon because we we don't know how his horn was broken canonically. So any portrayal outside of Homestuck proper would technically be non-canon. Uh, I like the idea that it's like multiple potential events just existing on different planes of truth. Uh, Because they they could all be true. Or none of them can be true. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we're getting into, like, quantum physics shit. Like, I feel like we're playing, like, Schrodinger's Broken Horn a little bit. Yeah. uh, Like, because that's basically what happens, right? Or that's kind of the idea where um, there's a lot of different ways here that, like, Equius's horn could have been broken. And by observing it, we, like, by by trying to observe it, we changed it. Yeah. Whoa whoa <laughs> yeah sorry go ahead yeah i like that little bit because like i remember like when homesuck 2 started posting there, there were all these takes that were like because the epilogues and homestuck 2 exist that means there's no room for any other fan continuations of homestuck and that the epilogues were a direct contradiction to what hussy wanted to do with the epilogues uh I don't know, man. I just feel like if it's not showcased in the the original thing, anyone who says whatever, it can be it can be their their version of it. Like Ganon doesn't have to be this absolute thing. Everyone can have their own take. There's a lot of wiggle room involved, even when you're like like no matter how much like things get expounded out and there's official word on things like there's still gonna be a lot of wiggle room and like a lot of space for things like how did Equus's horn get broken and stuff. Yeah. Which is the beauty of properties that aren't like being Star Warsified. Like you you have room to answer these questions and like yeah. speculate as a fan. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, I, I like it too. I, I think it's it's kind of a cool nod to like um yeah, like this notion that uh, maybe everything isn't like super set in stone, and there are multiple ways that things could have happened. Yeah, um, that would have gotten us to where we are today. Yeah, it's also just fun to it's also just fun to play with like the notion, like more of the whole notion of like MSP reader as an external force, like observing the story and like yeah, 
oh, let's let's open a bit of the narrative that we weren't supposed to look at. Like, it, I think that that's that's really fun. Absolutely. Um, what else? Uh, uh, shout out to the absolutely absurdly jacked Arthur <laughs> sprite, dude. <laughs> Arthur is oh, yeah. Arthur has quite the physique going on. He's got a whole ass triangle dick muscle. Um, it's a, it's the triangle dick muscle. You know what I'm talking about, dude. That's his vagina bones. What are you talking about? Uh, that's the triangle dick muscle to me. <laughs> what? What else? What else? Vagina bones aside. Um. The. Got any thoughts on um the on the peta coming up here and like how uh, how that comes up? Um, I don't know how I feel about how it comes up. Uh, I I like that. Hmm. I don't know the the way that Equius and Nepeta are presented in Homesick Proper early on. Uh, has always felt kind of weird to me. Yeah. Like, it, it always feels like, um, Equius caring for Nepeta is supposed to be, like, his big redeeming trait. Yeah. But he's still really weird. I, I, I recall feeling really weird about the way that he talked to her when we read through, uh, Hivevent. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The way, the way it's presented here is also a little bit weird. Like, he throws a tantrum about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I, the, the tantrum thing, like, I think, like, that's one of the few things that, like, I could really, I think that's, like, one of the, the, well, not, like, few, but, like, one of the main things, like, I feel like you can really apply to, um, to Homestuck Equius a bit more, and to make him a bit more sympathetic, like, I, I, th- I feel like, uh, Equius, like, building robots to beat them up as, like, a, uh, I feel like when it's presented like this, it becomes a lot more sympathetic, um, and in a way that you can also read out of, like Homestuck One, yeah. Just because it like isn't gone in too much in that in that uh in there, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's it. I I, I like the route. I think I think it's a good route. Agree. Um, Agree. But uh, I I really feel like um, comparing like the the uh, if I if, if just evaluating how characters are, like, compared to vanilla Homestuck is, like, increasingly, like, not going to be a reliable way to evaluate um, or set myself up to enjoy some of these, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything more before we go on to Terezi? Uh... I think it's, I thought it was funny that they, uh, like, alluded to each of the original, uh, posters that were on Equius's walls. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Something for the, for the real horse heads in the chat. I, I, I didn't like saying that. Let, let that go on the record. Yeah, I think, I think we're good on this route. It, it it's kind of straightforward. Yeah. Like, there's not, it doesn't really give much to go that in-depth on. Okay. 
Now, speaking of being really straightforward and having nothing to go in depth on, uh, Terezi. Woo! <laughs> this is this is a this is a wild one. Uh, okay, so I, I will do my best here. So, um, we've been uh, we've been with MSP Reader uh, on a sad walk, uh, bemoaning how all of our friends we have made uh, are just sad, um, and how really. Is any of the work that we're doing here meaningful when we've done nothing to avert uh, the inevitability that all these kids are going to end up in a lifetime of compulsory service to the Imperial Army? Um, we are not given much more time to reflect on this uh, because we are suddenly uh, knocked out and surprise kidnapped. Uh, we awaken to none other than Terezi, uh, taunting us about our captivity, um, and our imminent fate, uh, as we are tied to a chair in her bedroom, in her hive. Uh, respite block, my, my apologies. Um, she begins to interrogate us, uh, but she is cut short, uh, by her hustop, um, interrupting with a DM notification, uh, Terezi goes over to answer the message. Uh, we get to admire the gruesome spectacle of Terezi using a computer. Um, and we consider in this moment a uh, hauling ass out of there. Um, if we choose to try to haul ass out of there, uh, the bad ending is that we jump out the window and end up a- accidentally hanging Terezi. It's very... My God. <laughs> it's very dark out of nowhere. I, I get that it's a reference to, to Red Glare being hanged, uh, but... Damn, this was like a like an early friend sim ass ending. <laughs> you, you cannot just like give us a new Terezi sprite that we're getting comfortable with and then be like, oh yeah, she's we're gonna fucking kill her and you're gonna be uh hanging off of her corpse. <laughs> it, it's really uh it's really it's really something. Um very dark outcome. So if we choose to uh just sit and await our fate, um Terezi eventually returns to us uh, after addressing Vriska. Um, we don't know it's Vriska, and she doesn't tell us that it's Vriska, but we know it's Vriska. Uh, and uh, when we asked who she was talking to, she brushes it off, talking about it's a mean, angry girl, so I should never talk to again. Um, the conversation turns back to crime, uh, specifically our crime, which we discover is existing while mutant, alien, or criminal. Um... Terezi, uh, recites us the law from heart, uh, that, uh, mutants, aliens, and criminals are not permitted to exist within, uh, her imperious condescension's empire, and the punishment is death. It's a little harsh, some would say. Um, we protest the situation, uh, and Terezi, uh, in her theatrics gets kind of all up in our business, um, and while she is all up in our business, she takes notice that the dress we are wearing uh, has Kanaya's scent on it, and uh, it appears to have been made by Kanaya. Terzi uh, steps back to reevaluate us, um, and elects that the only way to really sell situations like this, where we could either be uh, an enemy or a trusted friend, is with a coin flip. Because why not? Uh... We, MSP Reader, uh, we find ourselves suddenly motivated and mad as hell the situation, and Terezi's misguided notion of justice and her support for the Alternian uh, system. Um, we zap ourselves beside her, uh, 
out of the chair and we snatch the coin out of the air, um, halting her her theatrics. Um, we interrogate her a little bit as to her loyalty to the system and how messed up this all is and how any of this could possibly create a functioning society. Um, all she responds with kind of loyal indifference, like. It's just how, just, that's how it is. That's how things are. Um, yeah, that's exactly what happens. Um, and it's only when we bring up Carcat and we ask about Carcat's mutant status and how he would be treated, uh, under these rules that we really start to get a, that we see a crack in the facade. Um, we kind of pry on that a little bit and we point out, uh, yeah, it's kind of messed up that you would extend this protection to Carcat, uh, but you don't really care, you don't seem to care about all of the nameless victims of the Empire who are killed in their, uh, who are cold in their hives, um, or had no chance to have a, who didn't have a chance to have a friend like you to protect them. Um, Terezi, uh, kind of put on the defensive a bit, uh, insists that this is just how it is, um, and it's, it, if nothing, it's better than being called for trying to resist. Uh, uh, and she says that changing it from the inside is the best that she can hope for. So, her remark about uh, changing it from the inside reminds us of our, our dear friend Tizius from Friend Sim. And the wave of, uh, the unexpected wave of emotion knocks us off our feet, and right into Terezi, and right into the homestuck backrooms once more. Uh, we, we get that feeling on the back of our neck that we're, we, we're, we are being watched. Um, somehow, Terezi has been pulled in with us, and, uh, yeah, uh, she, for some reason, has a bit more of an apt description of it than we do. She describes this place that we're in as an ambiguous nexus of metaphysical realities. Uh, which I think is a really fancy way of saying um, different uh, different ver different timelines or different versions of canon all intersect here. Um, yeah. Whoa, it's it's, whoa. it's it's a significant thing again. Uh, so Terezi is familiar with locations like this from her dreams, apparently. Um. Uh, as as we uh, survey our surroundings. Um, MSP reader, MSPA reader kind of gets uh, lost in our memories of our friends uh, who want to make Alternia a better place. Um, Terzi's comment and our mem and our thinking about Tizius has just pulled us, and being in this place has uh, brought it all back, and we try to articulate what we can to Terezi. Um, our memory of having friends who want to make Alternia a better place changes us from the inside, um, and how... Uh, now that we're here again, things really don't seem to have changed, and how unfortunate it is that our friends probably failed. Um, Terezi, uh, pretty casually accepts our, this notion, uh, that our friends have probably failed and, uh, suffered horribly the consequences, um, and that, uh, she's built different, and they failed because they're idiots, and she can do it because she's smart. Um... We consider that uh, she can't be the first to think that, and it probably isn't a question of competency or anything like that, really. Um, that attitude. So, uh, Terezi's good mood fades, and we find ourselves just kind of sitting around in in the 
back halls of Homestuck. Um, she comments that uh, she un- understands why Carcat is uh, good friends with us. Uh, we're also depressing. Um, and she makes an unprompted comment about Vriska, inviting us to poke and inquire further. Um, Trezzy explains uh, that they used to be uh, thick as thieves, uh, but no longer after Vriska broke some rule and uh, things happened between them. Um, we talk about how we were hanging out with Vriska recently. We explained everything that we got up to. to we got up to, um, including dunking Spider Mama the volcano. Uh, this elicits a shocked reaction from Terezi. Um, she laughs at it, uh, and then uh, comes back down to earth and says, "You know what, MSP reader? I have no idea what I'm doing." Um, and we are given the option here to, uh, either try to distract her or to hug her and comfort her as she starts stress snacking on some chalk. Um, if we choose to distract her, uh, we get maybe the most cursed thing in the world. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, we, we decide, you know what you need? We gotta go and get high with Gamzee. Um, let's go, let's go and do that. Uh, and you go and you do exactly that and uh attentive readers may remember that trezzy and gamzy have some history in homestuck that lends this a little bit more significance um but yeah it it feels like it almost feels darker than the one where uh you accidentally hang her yeah i don't i don't like this ending i I don't know if i would go ahead go ahead no you go i was I was gonna say I don't know if I would say like I don't like it. I I I, I don't like it insofar as it's extremely cursed and grim, but I don't dislike it as an inclusion. Okay. Yeah, that's a fine take. All right. We we, we don't have to further interrogate its need. It's uh <laughs> it's right to exist. Yeah. Um. The, <laughs> the like, Terezi uh, in her boxers, the same way that she was in um, Homestuck, like, when we found her uh, in, like, her Figo adult, like, Gamzy Black Rom abuse state. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe a little close to home, maybe. Um... But uh, yeah, I, I definitely a very deliberate thing that like the 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 answer that's like let's just not interrogate this and go and distract ourselves is like definitely not an accident that that calls back to like the fucked up thing that happened to Terezi and Homestuck. Um, if we choose to be a good friend, uh, and and try to console her, um, then she keeps talking about Vriska. Uh, she talks about how when, well, when, when everything happened and since, uh, Trezzy has blamed, put all the blame on Vriska and she now recognizes that it's kind of messed, that's kind of messed up. They were both complicit in a lot of shit. Um, and like how fucked up it is that the way that she sees the world, uh, led her to like exclusively blaming Vriska. Um, she kind of pulls it back to the whole system, um, and 
how it made her, it made the two of them how they are, and it was just inevitable they would end up, like, doing horrible shit to each other, uh, because that's the life they were given. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, as she carries this thread, her anger starts to morph into resolve, and she asks us to go to Vriska's hive. Um, as we get up, uh, to make the next leg of our journey, uh, we start to feel the, uh, the sensation of being watched kind of ease up on us, um, as though it were, uh, less, less critical, uh, or even approving, um, as a Reader puts it. Uh, so we, we go to Vriska's hive, um, Vriska is already there, uh, Terezi immediately corners her, and we observe their wordless exchange for a bit, um, and eventually the atmosphere relaxes, and they laugh it off, and the tension kind of disappears. Um, Terezi delivers a rousing speech, uh, about their past, um, and about how she how fucked up it is that uh they were tricked into like supporting the system and like reveling in injustice um and how much they have to pay back but how at the same time she can't do it alone um she does there's this this beautiful little bit from terezi about how uh she feels like her and visca are destined to be rivals um but uh wouldn't they be a force to be reckoned with if they put destiny aside and just decided to work together and she proposes that they uh, reunite the scourge sisters and Vriska accepts and that's our happy ending yay yay there's i okay um a lot going on here and it it, it feels like it all just kind of happens yeah it does feel like that um, I like it though. I enjoy it. I think I, I think I generally do too. Um, I yeah. I, there's a lot of stuff in here that I do really like. Um, I, I like like I really like that part at the end where uh, Terezi is like, uh, "We would be the greatest rivals," but doesn't that make like isn't that just a better reason to work together? Like I think that that's awesome. Like that's I love that. Mm-hmm. Um. But I feel like the whole thing just, it, it, it feels so, like, accelerated. Yeah, we kind of do kind of just speed run a Terezi character arc. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's, a, it's a little bit have your cake and eat it too, I think, because, like, she says at one point that she's been feeling, like, that there's been an injustice the whole thing like when you're in the when you're in the back rooms she says like i've been feeling this for a while um but at another point like when she's talking to vriska she's like i might never have uh come around on this if not for our friend here um yeah it's it's like weird and unclear like how personally invested terezi like really is in like her ideology i guess yeah um, the, like, uh, I, 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 it, it feels weird to me that it, uh, equivocates Riska and Terezi so closely, um, in the sense of, like, Terezi talking about, like, making up for what they did, uh, like, 
I understand that Terezi was also like raised like Terezi is also definitely the victim of uh, like a victim of the system. Um and like I think that the idea that's put forth of like uh the being involved in the Alternian uh justice system is like fun. Like I wish that that had been explored more cuz it feels like yeah. Uh we have like like Vriska has like a very concrete uh, thing we can like look at and uh like in spider mom and be like no matter what like she had no choice like her choice growing up was always either die or participate in this um and it's just like weird to equivocate that with terezi who like even here has no like there's no pressure like that established um she just seems to be into it as a as a hobby yeah like we we know that like Terezi like helped Vriska with like gathering up you know teens and f- knew that they were going to Spider Mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's no real like Terezi was being like forced to do it. Uh, in the way that Vriska was. And I think that, like, with the spider, like, I feel like it's right there in that, like, Terezi helped, like, just, like, it would be very easy to also, like, yeah, Terezi helped Vriska because she wanted, like, she cared about Vriska, um, and, like, she didn't want her to die, like, I, am I crazy for saying, am I crazy for thinking that that should have just been it, like, because that gives you... That, that's like, okay, that this now there's an equivocation, and it makes sense, and, like, it makes sense that it would... That, uh, that it makes... Or, I don't know. I guess that the, um... The Terezi's angle is kind of what ties it back into, like, the uh, the politics of it, and how, like, Terezi's fanaticism was more, manuf- was more manufactured by, like, uh, state propaganda than Vriska's unique home life. Yeah. But like I don't know, uh, focus on that a little bit more. Then it's it, it's 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 very weird to have like um to to like we have this whole thing that we have defined as like Terezi's weird unique hobby that is just uh like suddenly implicitly uh a product of of the system that like is shared across more than just Terezi. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Um, I definitely agree with the 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 idea that like everything in this feels like it just kind of happens, and it like I said, it feels like it's really like speed running Terezi, and mm-hmm. uh, specifically to get to a certain point, uh, because I mean this this is a game the game has to have an overarching plot and and up until this point uh we haven't really had like a purpose uh outside of like the 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 friend simish plot of like going around and making friends uh and this this one feels like it's trying to 
set something up. Like uh-huh. every every past volume has been making friends, uniting friends. That's basically it. But Terezi has now taken this grand monologue about how her and Vriska should team up and, you know, fix things. Be a menace on society. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to me, it feels very different from what has happened in prior volumes. And I think it's because... Hussey, Hussey has stated in the in the author's notes, the, the commentary in the books, that uh-huh. the plot of Homestuck hinges on Vriska and Terezi. Right. And I think this volume is aware of that. And considering future knowledge uh, that I have and you don't, uh, <laughs> this, this volume very much is doing the the plot hinges on Vriska and Terezi. So we've got to get Terezi to a similar point where Vriska is and have them like make up and be Scourge sisters again. Uh, But when that happened in Homestuck, that took like the, the retcon. uh, There was a whole new timeline. There was all this other shit that was like piled on top of it. And, and now the, the, the only thing we have is pre-scrub uh, Vriska and Terezi. So, yeah, we <laughs> like Terezi has not gone through all of the stuff that she has gone through in Homestuck. But we have to get her to the same point or at least a similar point to where her and Vriska are at the end of Homestuck. Like, mm-hmm. that's what it feels like to me. Yeah. I guess I can't be... I, I have to watch myself. I can't be too harsh on this because I was uh, pretty positive on, like, Vriska having the kind of, like, revolutionary spark in her volume. Yeah. Where, uh, like, she's like, oh, yeah, I, I, know, I learned that Mindfang at one point, like, fell in with some of the, the rebels and I, I aspire to be like her. Um, yeah, it, it just is... <laughs> it, just, it, it is very... Uh, it, <laughs> It's just fucking whiplash how fast Terezi goes from, like, simp for his honorable tyranny to, um, yeah, it sucks, but we can't do anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, so much of, so much of Terezi in Homestuck is, like, her dealing with the fallout of her killing Friska. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, watching the repercussions of her, like, trying to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And it, it it is very weird that she's just... It's it's like a... Just like a light switch flipped or something, and, like, all of a sudden her character is solved and things are okay with Vriska again. Yeah. Yeah, like... Mm. <sighs> Like even she 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 even like acknowledged where she was like, uh, she she knew that one day she was gonna have to kill Frisco, which is a very like loaded thing to bring up. Uh-huh. And as as much as I enjoy the like wordless interaction between the two of them at the end, 
I don't know. I feel like someone saying that they're gonna kill someone. They're gonna have to kill someone at some point. I don't know. I feel like it like needed more time, or like something else needed to happen in this volume, maybe, mm. to like get Terezi to that point. But she really does just do a really quick turnaround on Friska. Yeah, the. I think maybe like, the, I think like the the core problem is like, the disconnect between like. The whole thing is a game, like the whole like, justice is a game that she enjoys role playing, um, versus like her like already existent real life experience like with Flarp, because like, when. Uh, when, when Terezi talks about, like, atoning, um, what, like, what she has to atone for is, like, her Flarp Crusades with Vriska, but what we're, like, what, what this volume is framing is what she should be ashamed of is her personal hobby of role-playing, um, a horrible, uh, criminal justice system in her own bedroom. Yeah. Um, which, like... Are both bad, but uh, one is worse, and there's like nothing to connect the two. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, I can get behind that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think I just nailed it. That's my problem. That's my problem here. Um, it, it, if it was all contiguous, then it would probably be a bit easier to to string together because you have like. It would make a bit more sense that she would be like theatrical and uh secretive about stuff if it was like dealing with Riska more. Yeah. I don't know. It... <laughs> yeah. Um like I I can't call it bad. Um but it's it's I would argue that this is like a almost a more extreme version of like what we saw with Equis in the last one where it's like we're just so not in homestuck right now. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Uh any any more thoughts on these? Um I'm kinda of running dry. Um I think I might be good. The the, the this one is also kind of straightforward. Uh in a disappointing ish way. Yeah. Uh, I, now, what did, did, did was this like always your take on this, or did I ruin this for you? I'm sorry. Um. Okay, going going through Pester Quest again, uh, ha- has been interesting so far, because when these were coming out, uh, I I it it was very much like. I don't know. I wasn't putting that much thought into it. Uh, because, you know, I wasn't, like, doing the podcast. I didn't have to, like, sit down and, and think about things and, like... And, and like, at that point, I hadn't reread Homestuck yet. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was being handed these, these Pester Quest volumes and engaging with them with, like... Push, pushing close to a decade old, like, Homestuck knowledge. 
that that I had not retread before. So like when I when I originally read these, like uh, my takeaway from all of them was yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I that like that was it. That was as much thought I put into it outside of like, you know, like uh, some of the like minor fandom drama that like came out of some of them. Like I I would read people's gripes and some of them were sil- silly gripes. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't like re- arguing about like the the canon viability of whether you can physically have a transgender on Alternia. Is, yeah. It does not literary analysis me. Yeah. <laughs> But but now that like I've reread Homestuck again, and now we have gotten to Pester Quest, I am thinking a lot more about the comparison between the Pester Quest the Pester Quest versions of characters and what we were given in Homestuck. So mm-hmm. you you haven't like ruined anything. It's just I <laughs> I, I am approaching these much differently than than when I originally read them. And in that yeah. is it, it, I am coming away with more gripes, but I, I still am enjoying them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just like hmm. I, I I I can I I am concerned uh, of like I'm 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 trying I, I try to be uh, to not like uh, evaluate these too closely against like how they stack up exactly versus Homestuck because I like like I said earlier like I, I I'm increasingly as we go forward I think that's just not going to be a useful way to, like, derive enjoyment out of them. Yeah. Um, because I, from this one especially, from from Trezzy, it's like clearly okay. We're going to the plot now. Like we're doing. It's it's going to be like friends. So we're going to have a we're going to have a plot that's going to happen. Um. And the the first couple volumes like were a bit more, with that like I think the beta kids were, pretty much uh all of I think are like. Our take on all of those uh, was like these are good and they like work well within Homestuck. I but um I think the other part might just be like the stress of how Homestuck was written. Like we're re really stretching it when we have to like the task of like making Equius palatable, for instance. Like we were yeah, talking earlier. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I for- I forgot the point I was making. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what else? Uh, I think that that's I think that that's like most of what I wanted to to touch on here. Um, the one there. Oh yeah. Uh, at the beginning of Terezi's route, like when it's like MS readers like walk around thinking about how sad everyone is. Um, I I do like that. I did like that. Um, just like kind of calling into relief, like. I think that previously I would have talked about uh, all of the, um, I guess the beta trolls, uh, as like it, it's it's kind of a it, I, I, my mind is wandering too much right now. Um, the 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 way that like all the beta trolls are like some kind of weirdo for their cast. Like I previously have I think attributed to like or written up as a weakness of that cast and like how it portrays Alternia. But I think that, um, and like the, how much of a image of Alternia can really give us. But I think that like the, I will give the, the, the pester quest approach where we had this whole 
we had friends him before to establish like kind of what the more normal side of life was or like is or like the a less less of whatever's going on here. Yeah. Um I think that having that backdrop has really done a lot to sell the beta trolls as like these kids is fucked up. Yeah. I agree. And I have to give a lot of points for that. All right. Um anything else before we wrap this one up? Damn, I just remembered something that I wanted to talk about during the opening. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Uh, we didn't talk about Kiwi Farms. <laughs> oh, wait, we didn't do that. Um, yeah, uh, Kiwi Farms died. Ma- that was cool. Massive win. Huge, massive huge w. dub. <laughs> have, I, have I mentioned how there was a, 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 a very active Kiwi Farms thread dedicated to people who work at What Pumpkin? Have I have I like mentioned that before? I'm not shocked at all. Yeah, but it it, it was created like after Homestuck Two was announced, which when when I like when I like revisited that a couple months ago, I was like, damn, this this kind of makes sense as to why everything post Homestuck Two was kind of hellish. Ugh. Man, I'm glad that fucking place is gone. Me too. Jesus Christ. <laughs> not not to sound like a content goblin, but like hopefully that makes that, that hopefully that makes life a little bit easier for all the homestuck two people. Same. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ. But besides that, um, yeah, I don't really have much else to say. Yeah. If nothing, yeah, if nothing else to throw out the side of that that conflict that we're on. <laughs> Yeah, um, alright, if we don't have anything else going on, uh, you want to wrap this one up? Um, sure. And first enable us to do so by telling us what we're reading next week? Uh, next week, uh, this one's gonna be a treat for you. Uh, we're gonna be reading Volume 8, featuring our good friends Tavros and Aradia. I'm so excited, I'm so excited. I, I saw that they were up next, and I was like, oh yeah. I'm interesting. I'm interested to see how you react to that one because it's it. Me too. It's definitely a standout one. That's that's good to hear. I, I we'll talk about this next week. But like, I feel like Aradia is like a character who, uh, sh- shocking controversial opinion. Aradia definitely like should be in Homestuck more. Mm-hmm. And whenever she is, it surprises me what they do with her, and I like that a lot. So uh, we'll see. I suppose. Hell yeah. Okay. Um, what do I even say at this point? Uh, John, okay, you want to take, you want to wrap this one up? I would love to. Okay, uh, do you want to thank our patrons? Sure. Why don't you say the ones that want you to say their, your, their name first? Okay, so I can start and then you can just continue. Yeah. Okay. All right, so, um, thank you to our patrons. Uh, thank you, uh... Michael P. Uh, not sure if you want us to read your last name on air or not yet. Uh, Poof the 27th. A shout out to the other 11. Uh, Ashen 1, Haxus 3, Mel, Tezrak, Amber M, Danny, Caffeine, Gareth F, Simon Martins, Corn, and Darsh. Thank you for money. Thank you all. Thank you all for money. Um, if you would like to join, uh, those illustrious names that we've just read, you can go to patreon.com slash hpcast. 
uh, there you will find perks uh, such as getting your name read at the end of each episode, um, getting the episodes early, uh, getting to read our admin chat, um, and more. Uh, so uh, if you would like to uh, waste your hard-earned uh, dollars or whatever currency uh, is used in your country in, in your home country uh you can head on down to uh patreon.com slash hpcast and, and throw us a bone um besides that uh if not uh that's great too uh because our next shout out goes to all of our listeners uh thank you everybody um regardless of whether you give us money or not uh always always a pleasure to just have people listening um to to get get those sweet sweet views um and uh, it means a lot that we have people on this journey with us. So yeah, uh, thank you all so much. Um, and as always, our third shout out goes to Alex, our artist and editor. Uh, enables everything that we do. Uh, without Alex, there's no HP. And uh, it, it, we love you, Alex. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, and with that, uh, we will see you again next time um, with volume... Uh, eight. Eight, yeah. Eight of Pester Quest. Um, and we'll visit our, our good friends, uh, Towers and Aradia. So, uh, see you around.